This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. If you're keeping score, this should be show number 659. Hard to believe, isn't it? And yes, we are looking forward to number 666. Yeah, we we may do a little running with the devil. I know we're planning to talk about the man who invented the devil. And yes, we take the position that Satan's origin can be traced back to an Iranian man who lived about 500 B.C. He's best known to history as Zoroaster. And uh, we'll have a lot more to say about that in uh, six or seven weeks. We hope in the next six or seven weeks we'll have something to report in the way of rain. The greater Sacramento area received one one-hundredth of an inch of precipitation in January. In San Francisco, they got none. These are records in both locations. And with January temperatures up into the 70s, one has to wonder about, um, you know, there may be something to this climate change thing. You know, I think that warrants some investigation. And one thing we might be able to do in in periods of minimal rain is um, let it percolate right into our soil. We're going to hopefully speak in our second segment today with someone who knows a bit about that subject. You can find permeable concrete and asphalt in a lot of locations in the world, and we probably should be doing more of it here in the U.S. of A. We'll talk about that in segment two. And you know, it's been pointed out to me by someone being mildly critical, but without a doubt correct, that I should remind you that you can listen to this show anytime on our Parallax podcasts. You, of course, have the option of subscribing to the Radio Parallax podcasts on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. That would be option A. And, of course, option B is the one we've promoted for many years, which is that you can pick up something like, what is it now, 650 different programs that we've done in the past on our website, radioparallax.com. I believe that a few of our earliest shows are still not available, but, my God, we do have something like 600 plus. Do we not, Mr. McMillan? Yes, we do. And although we like to start off every program with On This Date in History, I think in today's show we're going to do it a little bit differently. I'm going to start out with goofball headlines. The reason for this is it's our show and we can do it if we want to. You know, when I look at the Huffington Post and the headline is, Hillary Rodham Clinton will be a president who believes in science. My only comment is, well, that's good. And from the What's the Catch department, we have this headline. Donors can earn $13,000 a year selling their poop. Now, you got to admit, this does seem like an easy way to earn some quick dollars. But it turns out you have to have a healthy gut. And no, we're not quite sure how they make that determination. But if you do, and you sell your poop to the people at Open Biome, they will then ship it around the country frozen and introduce it by means of fecal transplants into people afflicted with Clostridium difficile, a very nasty infection, often bacterial-resistant, which makes people pretty sick and can kill them. Of course, lest you get excited about this prospect of, of easy dough, we do point out that there is a catch. You've got to be really healthy. Apparently, open biomes selection process makes giving blood look like a walk in the park. In fact, the co-founder Mark Smith joked, it's harder to become a donor than it is to get into MIT. And reportedly, he might know he did get a PhD there in microbiology. 
Yes, we talked about the uh, the burgeoning news of understanding our microbiome and the good health effects that uh, could promise for all of us if we can learn how to basically really develop proper probiotics. Uh, we, you, know, you see the term thrown out, probiotics this, probiotics that. And, you know, yes, yeah, some of the things that, you know, are in yogurt and the like uh, can be good for you, but we're still figuring this out. And some of the things we are figuring out are, are pretty alarming. It has to do with uh, obesity. And all sorts of health problems are related to the type of bugs we have living inside us. This is going to be interesting to follow in the future. But continuing with our goofball headlines, um, this one caught my eye. Body parts found in suitcase lead to arrest. In San Francisco, police arrested a man on suspicion of murder in connection with a suitcase found in a downtown street stuffed with dismembered human remains. Now, I understand there's some controversy over this. You have to admit, if you find dismembered human remains in a suitcase, well, pretty much by definition, something's wrong. We just hope that the surveillance cameras that located the persons of interest here got it right, eh? Then we have this item forwarded to us from the island of St. Kitts and Nevis in the Caribbean. From the New York Daily News, Texas boy suspended for saying he could make classmate disappear with Lord of the Rings sorcery. Yes, the subheadline is the ring little Aiden brought to school may not have been the true ring of power, but it had enough controversy to get him suspended from a Kermit, Texas school. Yes, apparently Kermit Elementary School officials called it a threat when nine-year-old Aiden Stewart, in a playful act of make-believe, told a classmate he could make him disappear with a ring forged in a fictional Middle-earth's Mount Doom. Evidently, the family had been watching some of the Hobbit movies, I guess the more recent one, Aiden's father, Jason Stewart, went to bat for the boy, saying, I assure you, my son lacks the magical powers necessary to threaten his friend's existence. But if he did, I'm sure he'd bring him right back. All right, let's get back to the real world and this day in history, which in our case today is the 5th of February. And as a public service, we like to note every February that the month contains two R's, both of which are pronounced. As we often discover, certain dates are less illustrious than others. February the 5th apparently is one of them. For example, it was on February 5th in 1783 that Sweden recognized the independence of the United States of America. Yeah, sure. They're looking pretty independent to us. And on this date in 1811, George, Prince of Wales, became Prince Regent in order to rule in place of his father, George III, who, as we know, had suffered from periods of insanity for more than 20 years. And from the I did not know that file, we have this. February 5th, 1905, pilot T.S. Baldwin pits his dirigible against an automobile in a 10-mile race and wins by a margin of three minutes. And you know, we agree with cosmologist Michio Kaku from last week's program that, that we ought to see home dirigibles in our future. And on February 5th, 1924, a British broadcasting institution was established when the BBC transmitted the first Greenwich Time signal at 9.30 a.m. Created automatically by chronometers at the Royal Observatory, the pips counted down the last five seconds of each quarter hour, but they are now generally broadcast only on the hour.
And from the somewhat whimsical file, we have that it was on February 5th in 1943 that the American middleweight boxer Jake LaMotta beat Sugar Ray Robinson in the second of their six famous bouts. It was Robinson's first defeat and the only time that the Bronx Bull would prevail over Robinson. Wisecracking LaMotta later commented, I fought Sugar Ray so many times, I got diabetes. Our quote today comes from actress Emily Blunt, who told The Guardian in the UK a week or two ago, referring to her barrister father, My dad, as a criminal defense lawyer, is in a perpetual state of pretending. Asked pretending what? She said that these men didn't do what they did. Usually, they did. Probably true. Our quote of the day comes from Oscar Wilde, who said, The artist should never try to be popular. The public should try to be more artistic. Well, we don't know, Oscar. Somebody once pointed out, you know, it's not show art, it's show business. Our joke of the day is as follows. A husband and wife were both keen golfers, and one day out at the country club, the wife, feeling neglected, asked her husband how much he really loved her. She asked, If I were to die tomorrow and you remarried, would you give your new wife my jewelry? What an awful thing to ask, exclaimed the husband. Of course not. And would you give me any of my clothes? No, honey. I would not. And what about my golf clubs? No. She's left-handed. And our anecdotal item for today's show is as follows. Archaeologists are evidently furious at a Cairo museum where a clumsy worker knocked the beard off of King Tutankhamun's 3,300-year-old burial mask. And that's not the worst part. Another worker then stuck it back on with super glue or epoxy. We're not sure which. But conservators at the Egyptian Museum in Cairo, where this correspondent was lucky enough to spend an afternoon once many years ago, said the rushed restoration attempt caused more damage than the initial accident. One worker present at the repairs said the epoxy dried on the pharaoh's golden mask and then a colleague used a spatula to scrape it off, leaving scratches. The whole job, said a tourist who saw the glue-smeared treasure, did look slapstick. Our stat of the day, according to the Wall Street Journal, is that only 38% of Americans say they have enough savings to cover an unexpected $500 car repair or $1,000 emergency room visit. 28% said they would need to borrow from family or friends or use a credit card to cover the bill. Yeah, meanwhile, how, how high is the stock market going? Breaking all records? I think we better bounce that off with this good news story, which is that when Alfred Anjani graduated from college with a marketing degree. He had a hard time landing a job, so he went to the train station near his London flat and started handing out his resume. The ploy worked, and just over a year later, Johnny is back at the station, only this time, he's the one who's doing the hiring. Although we're glad to hear that, we do point out that the field in question here is marketing. And for more on that topic, we refer you to YouTube. We suggest you go pull up what Bill Hicks had to say about marketing. All right, let's jump into the good, the bad, and the ugly.
According to The Week magazine, it was a good week last week for not being rattled by government inefficiency with the news that Siegfried Manstein, a 94-year-old World War II veteran, has apparently been unable to file his tax return because the IRS insists that he is dead. Despite repeated attempts to prove he's alive, Manstein has received three letters from the IRS insisting he's deceased. Manstein said that his son told him not to let the IRS upset him, noting philosophically, eventually they'll be right. And it was surely a bad week last week for the anti-vaccination crowd with the news that, well, measles is back. Measles had been eliminated from the United States as of a few years ago. But with the recent recent outbreak, including the one originating in Disneyland, we've discovered that people not vaccinating their children does have consequences. Apparently, studies of the people that got the the disease in Disneyland showed that 82% weren't vaccinated against measles. Measles is not an entirely benign disease. It can cause high fever, swelling of the brain, pneumonia. It used to kill about 500 Americans annually and still kills about 150,000 people a year around the world. Of course, we do want to note it was an ugly week for believing in medical science and studies with the news that um, apparently a Harvard researcher used a random text generator to write a phony study and had his gibberish accepted for publication by no less than 17 medical journals. Now, you'd think the title of the study would have been something of a giveaway. It was titled, Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And far worse than being cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, an item we would describe as not just bad, but also ugly, and in fact, horrible, which is that this Chinese plan to dig a canal across Central America cutting through Lake Nicaragua is apparently starting to go forward. Nicaraguan environmentalists have called this past week for a halt in this planned canal linking the Pacific and Atlantic. This China-backed project would see a shipping channel 100 feet deep and 900 feet wide dug through Lake Nicaragua. The dredging job would be the largest in history, moving close to 1 billion cubic yards of material from the bottom of the shallow lake. That could stir up sediments containing pesticides and mercury, which of course would endanger the lake's fish and bird populations and destroy what is one of the most wonderful sites I think I've ever visited anywhere on Earth. Lake Nicaragua is a wonderful place to visit. Ometepe Island out in the center is just a marvel, and this canal would destroy all of that. In fact, this correspondent is hoping to make a trip down to inspect on the scene what is taking place in Nicaragua sometime in the next few months, and then report on that back to you, dear listener. Let's do a few miscellaneous items. Apparently, SkyMall went belly up uh, last week. You know, that wacky airline catalog that uh, (laughs) bored people on planes would thumb through. The Washington Post noted that it contained whimsical, often expensive products, including a $1,000 Serenity cat pod, a $2,250 garden Yeti statue, and a $16,000 personal sauna system. Yeah, SkyMall apparently suffered at the hands of recent changes in airline policy, which gave passengers alternative means of entertainment and evidently flooded them with different avenues for online purchasing. Yes, I guess when you can now use your smartphone to pass the time, uh, 
Who needs to shop for a, uh, a Garden Yeti statue via Sky Mall? And we do know from personal experience that a previous Radio Parallax guest did post one of his inventions in Sky Mall. It was a rather cool item, which I shall not mention. But we do note that his return on investment in Sky Mall was zero. What were we saying earlier about marketing? Now, I do want to note that over the years I have used numerous marketing consultants. And I'm coming to believe that a marketing consultant uh, fulfills the, I believe it's a Wilson Misner quote, where he said, a consultant is a guy that borrows your watch, tells you what time it is, and then keeps the watch. Of course, we have to admit, a pro-Vladimir Putin lawmaker in Russia probably could have benefited from consulting with somebody before he made the following pronouncement. In the wake of skyrocketing food prices in Russia... Ilya Gaffner, a Duma member from the Kremlin-loyal United Russian Party, said the solution was to, quote, just eat less, unquote. Then adding, it was scientifically proven that the human body works best when it is hungry and cold. So I guess that was their guiding principle for all those prison camps out there in Siberia. I'm sure if the Russians can just get some marketing people in there, they'll be presented to the public as health spas. Of course, Gaffner is apparently claiming that he, or is it she, is practicing what he preaches. Reportedly, he's limiting his own diet. Today, cottage cheese and apples. Tomorrow, rice and tomato sauce. Yes, apparently, as international sanctions have bit in Russia, food prices have shot up 150%. Let's talk about raising prices closer to home here. Apparently, tip creep is being facilitated by modern electronic devices. Actually, I've seen this myself. I was eating at a Persian restaurant in the Bay Area a few days back, and um, they said the computer was down. So they came by with a little device for which to swipe my card, and I was given three options for tipping, 15 20 and 25%. Since I think most people tend to pick the middle example when presented with three choices, that means there's a lot of tips of 20% going on. But yes, apparently they're building this into iPads and other devices where you're given a rather limited tip option menu. Hillary Stout in the New York Times gave an example of a, uh, a cashier at the Cafe Grumpy in New York City swiping the credit card and giving three tip choices, a dollar, two dollars, and three dollars. This is on a four dollar coffee drink, meaning the tips were 25 percent, 50 percent, or 75 percent of the bill. We suggest you keep your eyes peeled on this little scam. All right, as a public service announcement, we want to warn you also to beware of phony IRS calls. Apparently, an alarming number of Americans are being targeted by a dangerous tax scam. The Treasury Department says nearly 300,000 people in the past two years have been contacted over the phone by callers claiming to be agents of the IRS. These agents say you owe unpaid taxes and must pay now through a prepaid debit card or payment voucher or face arrest, deportation, or the loss of your driver's license. Evidently, about 3,000 taxpayers have fallen for this scam and paid a collective $14 million. The IRS reminds us that they always contact people by mail if they owe taxes. And you will never be asked to pay using a prepaid debit card or wire transfer. To which I would add, and if the guy's from Nigeria, I'd be really suspicious. All right, let's wrap up this segment and return to what we talked about, I guess, on last week's program, uh, this controversy over American Sniper. I want to just say a couple more words about it. 
I've not seen the film, nor has Mr. McMillan, but uh, I think I'm going to have to bite the bullet and check it out just so that I can speak more authoritatively to what does appear on the screen. But this movie is apparently breaking all box office records. It was the highest uh, uh, return on a movie during a Super Bowl weekend ever. And uh, people are reacting. Lindsay West, writing in TheGuardian.com, asked, What does this movie say about Americans? That they're making a hero out of an unapologetic racist who took pleasure in dehumanizing and killing brown people. The film is based on the life of Chris Kyle, the deadliest sniper in U.S. military history, with 160 confirmed kills and another 95 probables. He wrote in his memoir that killing was fun, called Iraqis savages about whom he couldn't give an F. And although Clint Eastwood's film scrupulously sands off Kyle's edges to make him more sympathetic, Alyssa Rosenberg, writing in the WashingtonPost.com, said that in Kyle's memoirs, he makes it clear that he saw Iraqis as evil subhumans and boasts not only of killing them by the score, but of driving remote-controlled cars at crowds of civilians for which he called the priceless amusement of hearing their high-pitched screams. Yeah, this guy's a real American hero, don't you think? I did get a bit curious about Clint Eastwood's military background. A lot of people in Hollywood uh, are great for recruiting for the armed services for their heroic figures cast on the silver screen. Of course, it does turn out that people like John Wayne were never in the military, period. So I looked it up, and we can't say that's true about Clint Eastwood. His military background is as follows. According to Military.com, Clint Eastwood was drafted into the Army during the Korean War. He was sent to Fort Ord for basic training, and lucked into a job as a swimming instructor. He remained at Fort Ord and worked nights and weekends as a bouncer at the NCO club. Of course, we would note that on a trip home to Seattle to visit his parents, he caught a ride aboard a Navy plane at Moffett Field, and on the ride back, his Navy torpedo bomber developed engine trouble and was forced to make a water landing off San Francisco. Army swimming instructor Eastwood was then forced to swim over a mile through the tide to shore. Now, we do have to admit, Clint Eastwood is something of a marketing genius for what he's done uh, in Hollywood, making himself a, uh, a central figure to operations there when he was always in the periphery before that. He had to go off to, to Italy, I guess it was, to star in spaghetti westerns. But he did, for a while, become the world's top box office star. He did pretty well with the Dirty Harry series of films as well, even though um, a lot of what you see in those movies doesn't have a whole lot to do with uh, how the police and court systems actually operate. And I have to confess, despite our occasional annoyance at Mr. Eastwood, both Mr. Mullen and I have occasionally said things like, I know what you're thinking. Did it fire five shots or did it fire six? In all the excitement, I forgot myself. So the only question is, do you feel lucky today? Right, we can't end on that for the first segment. So let's lighten the mood here with some life hacks. Actually, that's what they were described as in Mental Floss magazine. I'm not sure what the hell they mean by life hack. Let's rename them useful tips. All right, according to Mental Floss magazine, there's nothing worse than eating a plate full of garlic bread and then realizing you're out of breath mints. Luckily, there is an easy fix. Green tea. The beverage does a masterful job, reportedly, of attacking and deodorizing garlic's sulfides, leaving your breath all sparkly again. How about this one? Speaking with people who talk extremely softly can be frustrating. Thankfully, science provides a way of deciphering what they're saying. Lean into the conversation with your right ear. While your left ear is better at discerning melodies, your right ear does a better job of sorting speech patterns and decoding mumbly words. 
Here's one we're not too sure about. It's titled, Make Your Washing Machine Multitask. Reportedly, if you have a need to shred bills and sensitive documents but don't want to make the trip to the office, your washing machine can be a savior. Stuff your papers into some pantyhose and throw them into the washer. A quick quick cycle will blur and wash out the important text, leaving a stack fit for the recycling bin. And although it isn't necessarily that often you need to ripen a mango in seconds... Reportedly, if you want to eat a mango and all you've got is an unripe piece of fruit in front of you, what you do is you ripen it by drawing a warm bath in which you will let the fruit soak for 10 minutes. Reportedly, it will sweeten right up. We've never tried it, but if you have, please drop us a line at info at radioparallax.com and let us know if it really does work. Let's take a break. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax. When we come back, we're going to talk with Bernadette Ballax from Ecological Landscape Design about how you can improve your yard and make it more permeable to water. Stick around. 